Greetings, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, April the 24th. It's often called the second week of Easter or the second Sunday of Easter. And we're going to continue talking about the risen Christ. Today we talk about his peace, his power, and purpose. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. You know, the Bible, the scripture has two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The New Testament has 27 books, four gospels, which tell the life of Jesus, 21 letters to explain the meaning of Jesus for our lives, one history about the early church, and one prophecy. And all 27 of those books deal with Jesus as as alive, risen from the dead, and, and the central living reality in the universe himself. He himself, Jesus, being very God and very man. And, and what I want to do in, today is, is to look with you at, at Jesus's first appearance to these very frightened disciples after the resurrection. And, and what I'd like for us to see is how did the risen Jesus act and what did the risen Jesus say? So that first appearance to the disciples as a group happens in, uh, in here in John 20, 19. Let's, let's look to see how Jesus acts. On, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. So there's a couple of facts about how Jesus deals with us. So, so this is the evening of the Sunday that he rose from the dead. You know, that morning Jesus had appeared to Mary Magdalene. That's recorded in the first 18 verses of John chapter 20. But now he appears to all the disciples, the 11 apostles at once. And notice there's a couple of things. First of all, the doors are locked. The disciples are frightened. And Jesus comes to them and stands right there in their midst. And those three facts tell us, I think, three things that we can know about how the risen Jesus deals with you and I today. First of all, the doors were locked. You see, Jesus did not have to knock. He did not even have to open the door. He, he simply was there. And he, and he wasn't a ghost. Look at verse 20. He showed them his hands and his side. And, and in another place, he said, Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. That's recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. So he has a physical body, but, but not exactly like ours. It's the same and yet different. He, he was simply there in spite of the closed doors, <clears throat> which means that today in our life, you see, Jesus can go where no one else can go. 
He can go where no counselor can go. He can go where no doctor can go. He can go where no, where no love of our life can go. He can reach us and reach into us anywhere and anytime. There is no place where we are and no depths of personhood that we are, we are which Jesus can't penetrate. You see, Jesus's resurrection from the dead fits him to do what no one else can do. There's no one else like him in all, in, in, in all the universe. He is alive and he is the one and the only God man. What he is capable of, we cannot imagine. And it is a, it's a healing wonder to contemplate that, that all the complex layers of our life, which neither you nor I nor anyone else can understand, are familiar territory to him. Secondly, they were afraid. Verse 19, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. You see, their leader had just been crucified as a threat to Caesar. Their, their fear is totally understandable. And into that fear, Jesus comes. I suppose I want to draw our attention to this because this is the way, the way I feel the need of risen, the risen living Jesus at times is because of fear. Fear that I won't be prepared for what I'm expected to do. Fear that, that for somehow the church maybe is not going to prosper. Fear that, that my children are, 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 are going to make a shipwreck of their faith. Fear of um, that I won't have the faith to, to, to live well, to die well. Fear that I might drift into worldliness or uselessness. And what Jesus is saying in this action is, I come to my own when they are afraid. I don't, I don't wait for them to get their act together. I don't wait for them to have enough faith to overcome fear. I come to help them have enough faith to overcome fear. And, and I can testify after, you know, 40 years of, of being a believer that this is still true. The, the risen living, living Jesus is still doing this. He comes when we cry out to him in our fear. He helps us. You know, I, I've, I've said a thousand times those, those, those three and four word prayers, those prayers that like Jesus or Jesus help me, please, Jesus help me. And, and he has come near with a promise. Fear not, do not be afraid. 365 times in the scriptures, fear not. I am with you. Do, don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will help you. That's Isaiah chapter 41. He will do this for us too if we receive him into our life for who he really is. You know, and then thirdly, Jesus comes to them and stands in their midst. In verse 19, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. And the point here is that he came right into the middle of their meeting. You know, he, he didn't come to the edge and call out through the wall and then deal with them as some distant, far-off deity. He wasn't playing games with them. He, he, he wasn't toying with their faith. He wanted them to see him and to know him and believe in him and love him. And that's what Jesus wants for us today. I, 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 we want to experience the living Jesus, to know him, to have him draw near into our life where no one else can go to have him help us in our fear the way that no one else can help us. And, and to have him come to us, close to us, not calling to us from a distance, but right in our midst, 
And that's what we pray happens. It's what we pray happens every Sunday when we're together. It's what we pray happens throughout the week. So there's a couple of gifts in what Jesus says, and that's, that's the way he acts as he's the risen living Christ. Now, what does he say? And what we see is that in this first appearance to the disciples, he says, he says three or four things, depending on how you, you want to count them. And, and these three or four things turn out to be three different gifts to us, the gift of peace, the gift of power, and the gift of purpose. So for simplicity's sake, the, the opposite of peace is conflict. We know that it's much more complicated than that. The, the opposite of power is weakness, and the opposite of pur- purpose is aimlessness. You see, many, many lives are ruined by conflict, by weakness, and aimlessness. And Jesus did not come into the world and die and rise again to ruin our life, but to save it. And what we will see is that he saves us from ruining our lives by becoming, by, by becoming himself that peace and that power and that purpose. So, so we're praying that God will do that for us to make Jesus our peace, Jesus our power, and our purpose. Peace be with you. So what did he say? Two times he said, peace be with you. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands inside. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Before Jesus says anything about power or purpose, he wants to establish peace. And the order here is really important. The, the, the peace that Jesus gives us before and underneath any of our empowered actions or any of our pur- purposeful deeds or actions, we, we don't initiate peace with Jesus by our actions. He initiates peace with us. Paul. Paul, who wrote 13, 13 of those 21 New Testament letters, explains it like, th- like this. He says, he, Jesus himself, is our peace, who has made us both one, Jew and Gentile, and reconciled us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. That's Ephesians chapter 2, 14 through 18. You see, The peace that Jesus offers the disciples is peace that he accomplished when he died for them on the cross. That's why in verse 20, he says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. I am the one who died. I'm the one you abandoned. I am the one who was pierced for your transgressions, Isaiah 53. And the reason I can offer you peace is because my blood, because of my blood, I've covered all your sins. So if you trust me, that that won't be held against you. The wrath of God is turned away. And that's what Paul meant when he said Christ reconciled us both to God through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. All the hostility between God and us was absorbed on the cross. Here, look at my side. Look at my hands. I made peace with these. Justice was satisfied with these. Peace between you and I and God was established with these. And where peace comes in our, in our life. So, so there, are, there are several relationships where the crucified and the risen Jesus brings peace into our lives. It brings peace between us and him. That's the first and most obvious meaning. He's standing there 
among them, offering them himself as a friend, as a helper, not as a judge. There's peace between us and God. That's why, why God sent him, so that God's justice and wrath could be satisfied another way besides eternal punishment. God makes peace with us by substituting his son's suffering for my penalty, for our penalty. Now he comes to us as a loving father. Then there's peace between us and others who are in Jesus. To be reconciled to God is to be reconciled to all those who are reconciled to God. No hostility vertically or or horizontally. That means racism, no, no ethnocentrism, classism, sexism. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3.28. There's peace between us and our own souls. The New Testament letter in the Hebrews, which we read later, or excuse me, earlier this year, the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. It's that precious piece of a clear conscience. How many people labor under the misery of defile of a defiled, guilty conscience? But peace with yourself doesn't mean that you start seeing past sins as desirable. Peace doesn't mean that past sins cease to be painful. It means that they cease to be paralyzing. The pain may not be taken away immediately, but the penalty is taken away immediately through Jesus Christ. And that makes it possible to heal and to move on with a hope-filled life while we do. And then there's peace with the world. Yes, when Jesus died, he did what needed to be done. Colossians 1 says that, so that someday... In God's time, all evil will be cast into outer darkness and the entire new creation will be full of peace and righteousness. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Peace with Jesus, peace with God the Father, peace with others in Christ, peace with ourselves and peace with the world. It's an amazing achievement. And so how do we receive this pay, this peace? And, and so how do we receive this? Everybody doesn't have it. It's a gift of God. We receive it or we walk away from it. Or better to say, we receive him or walk away from him. He is our peace. If we have the risen living Jesus as our Savior and Lord and treasure, friend, then we have the peace that he gives, the peace that he is to all who received him, who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. That's John chapter one, verse 12. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Romans 5, 1. Jesus offers us that. We offer that on his behalf. It's free. I hope we have all received it. We've, we've spent a lot, most of our time on the gift of peace because it's foundational. If we don't have peace with God, we will take all of his other gifts and use them to try to make peace. And it never works. Peace is first and it's free. Everything else is the effect of peace, not the cause. It's fruit. Peace is the root. So then power by the spirit. So, so let's just do a couple points in close in the closing to the, the power and the purpose that Jesus gives both mentioned in verse 21 and 22. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so I am sending you that the purpose. And, and when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy spirit, the power. 
Jesus was going to pour out the Holy Spirit when he ascended into heaven. And and that happens about seven weeks after the resurrection. We read about it in the first, or we read about it, excuse me, in the first chapter of Acts. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, Acts chapter 1. The work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives is that he makes us able to do what we are simply not able to do on our own. He gives us power. So here in John 20, 22, Jesus performs a kind of a kind of an acted out parable. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't say receive him at this very moment. He said, in effect, realize that my breath, my life, my word will be in the Holy Spirit. We've seen this before in John chapter 14. And when Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. John 14, 18, the risen living Jesus has come to us and he has sent us the Holy Spirit, his spirit. He has breathed on us. This person, this power is our only hope for accomplishing the purpose that he has for us. And he gives that purpose in verse 21, the second part of verse 21, as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He's, he's saying, I want you to live in the world as my representatives, as my ambassadors. I want you to take my peace, my power and glorify God, the father, the way I have. That's, that's talked about in John chapter 12, 27 and 28. So it's our central purpose for existence. Jesus comes to us gives us his peace with God, then gives us the power to do the kinds of things that mere humans can't do, like defeating our own selfishness and loving other people and treasuring Jesus above all. Above all. And, and then with that peace and that power, he gives us our central purpose of existence. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I'm sending you to extend my peace and my light and my truth and my life in the world. I'm going to my father, but I give you my spirit. I am the power in you. So go and glorify me in this world. That's our great purpose in the peace of God and by the power of God to do the will of God for the glory of God and for the good of others. And then there's this puzzling of of verse 23. And here's what I think it means. It's, it's a good way to end. Jesus says to the disciples, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it's withheld. And I think what, what Jesus is saying here is this, that when you tell people about what I've done, about speaking my word, about my, my work and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm the one speaking through you so that if anyone believes your word, I forgive their sins. And, and if any does not believe your words, I don't forgive them. And, and since you are my voice and my truth, I, I speak of you forgiving them and you withholding forgiveness, which simply means that right now, what we make of this message from this fallible, sinful human person will decide whether we are forgiven or not. I, as an ambassador of Jesus, I urge us all to be reconciled to God, to receive as, as a free gift, his peace, his power, his purpose, in the name of Jesus. Amen. And God bless.